evening. How is everybody? Full bellies? That's what I'm talking about. Good, good. Well, we are in week two of Suit Up, and I'd love to get into that here in just a minute, but I actually just want to share with you guys, just kind of level with where I'm at today. You, you ever had those days where you just kind of have like the full gamut of emotions? It's like, you know, you go through all kinds of different things, right? Good, bad, all that. Well, we've experienced loss today, and we've also experienced beauty today, and I want to tell you a little bit about the beauty. Um, I went on a field trip this morning with one of my daughters, and I've kind of pledged as much as I can not to share which daughter from stage because I don't want to be the reason that they have to go to therapy one day. So I try to just say one of my daughters, right? So I was there um, on the field trip, and uh, one of the dads comes up to me of one of the other kids and says, uh, I just have to tell you, you have a great daughter. And he was going on and on about his mother-in-law had passed a couple weeks ago. And my daughter went up to this other girl in the class and started really like comforting her and mourning with her and stuff like that, just hugging her and being there for her and stuff. And he said it really like not only touched her heart, uh, but his heart as well. And he came up to me and talked to me about it. And he says, uh, we haven't been to church in 15 years. We'd like to come to your church on Sunday. And I just thought, man, what an amazing thing right there, right? I mean, just not trying to grow a movement, you know, she's just a young girl. She's just out there being the hands and feet of Jesus, and God really used that. And I just thought, man, this is, what an amazing testimony. I mean, if you're in elementary school or you're however old, it just doesn't matter. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so had a lot of beauty today, and I wanted to share that story with you before we get started. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get started. Father, uh, we thank you for... Uh, who you are, that you're always good, that you're always good. And there are days that are, are painful, and there's grieving, and there's beauty, and yet you stay constant throughout the whole thing. And we're just so thankful for that reality here tonight. Help us to embrace it more fully. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, like I said, we're in week two of our uh, series called Suit Up, where we're looking at the armor of God. We're in Ephesians 6. And we're looking at every piece of the armor of God. We're just going to take a week on every piece of it. And last week, we talked about the first thing. We talked about the belt of truth. And we talked about how, you know, I don't know if we can say it's necessarily the most important one, but it certainly has to come first. Because if you don't have truth, you don't have anything. And the Roman soldiers uh, at that time, they would put this belt on, and they put that on first because all the other weapons were put in the belt. So the swords and the daggers and those sort of things, they, they had to go in the belt, so you can't do really anything else until that belt is on. And that's true for us as Christians too, that if we don't have the truth as a foundation, then we can't really build from that. And so if we're focused on the lies of the, enemies and, the enemy and we try to build off of that, we can't really build the right foundation. And that's critical. And Tara did a wonderful job last week talking about the belt of truth. And tonight we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Now before we do that, I do want to read back through Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 once again. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish uh, the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, before we get into the breastplate of righteousness, I did want to go back to verse 12, which says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, that's important, I think, for us to spend some time there, because we were programmed for struggle, for fights. I mean, I, I used to work in the school setting, and I noticed, like, generally speaking, for men or for boys, it was more like physical and directly confrontational, and for, for the girls, it was less confrontational, although when it was actually physically confrontational, it was pretty rough <laughs> for the girls. I mean, sometimes you'd see boys, you know, getting in a fight just to kind of be cool, and they're like, hold me back, and nobody's really holding them back, but they're just, you know, trying to act like it, right? But when girls fought, it was hard to break up. I mean, you'd have a, a handful of hair you're trying to pull off, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And I think it's very true that we were programmed to want to have a struggle or to have a fight, or not necessarily to want to, but to have that struggle or fight. So whether you're male or female, this is embedded into us from the time we were born and on. And the invitation is, for us to sort of put all that onto the spiritual forces of the world. I mean, imagine if all of us, all of our conflict, all of our struggle is placed onto the spiritual realm. Imagine not only the unity we would have, but also how we could go out into the world and not bicker and not fight with people who harm us. Because we're focused on the fact that there's evil in the world, and that's really the bigger battle here. And that's one of the things I love about the Bible is you get to the heart of the matter. You get to the root of the matter. You get to the big picture. And that's why Paul is saying here, it's like, don't be so narrow focused on the person. Focus on the grand scheme that there's evil in the world. And sometimes people have been controlled and they've allowed themselves to be controlled by that evil in the world. That's the big picture. That's where we direct our struggle against. And that's really important. I see, saw just the other day on SportsCenter, um, evidently, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's like record amounts of fans fighting in the stands. Have you guys seen this in like football games and baseball games and stuff? And what's that? So, oh, somebody died. I didn't know that. Man, that's intense. But, but yeah, I mean, it's happening all the time, evidently. And that's kind of what I thought about. The first thing was this passage of Ephesians 6, 12. 
is that really like we get bogged down and often the world gets so bogged down and this person is my enemy, this person is my enemy, and yet we don't have to do that. Imagine the picture that we can present to the world to say, you know what, we may disagree, you may harm me, you may all, whatever, but you are not my enemy. There is one enemy. And I think that could be very infectious to the world. And the enemy doesn't like direct conflict. He really likes it whenever we just bicker with each other or we bicker with the world. That's how he really likes to operate. So if we are unified in saying it's a spiritual fight, it's bigger than each other, it is directed towards the spiritual realms, then, man, we can really get somewhere with that. Now, let's get into the breastplate of righteousness because there's some really good things I feel like God has uh, given me to share with you guys on this. So what is the breastplate? And what is righteousness? Well, the breastplate was made up of little metal chains that were kind of interwoven like a vest. Uh, and I wish I would have given you a picture. Tara did a demonstration for you guys last week, and I can't even get you a picture. Come on. But I would compare it to like a bulletproof vest today. It really, it's, it's made to protect your most vital organs. It's, it's this hard surface that was very difficult to penetrate, often made out of metal if possible. And you just wouldn't see Roman soldiers going out and fighting without the breastplate on. Because you could, you know, you could harm a knee, you could harm an arm, you could do some of those things, but, and that would be fine. But if your heart goes, you're in big trouble. And so that's why I believe Paul is talking about the breastplate here. Because just like Solomon says in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It does you no good to have all the weapons in the world and to have all the other protections in the world if you don't protect the heart. It's extremely important. And so if, if our heart isn't protected, you can bet the enemy will go straight for the heart, just like anybody else would in battle. If you see the heart exposed, that's where you want to go. And that's why we can't just stop at the belt of truth. That's so important. I mean, we have to have the truth. That's pivotal for us to start with the truth, the foundation. But we can't just stop at the truth. Our hearts have to be protected as well. A lot of times people will just stop at what is true. And the Pharisees did that. In fact, they, they got a lot of things right about what was true. And yet Jesus says in Matthew 23 that their hearts were just like straight selfish, man. They were self-indulgent and greedy and all that, right? So the enemy was going after their hearts, even though they had the truth. And that's why for us, we have to have both of those things. We have to have a foundation of truth, and we have to have the breastplate at the same time. Now, we don't sacrifice truth for anything else. We have to have the truth, but we can also have protection for the heart as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says this, If I have the gift of prophecy... And can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And so that point there is we could, we could be given prophetic voices from God and speak what is true. But if we don't have protection for the heart, then it really just doesn't matter at the end of the day. That's why we have to have both. We have to have the truth and we also have to have our hearts protected um, when we're in battle. It's very important. And Paul says that our hearts are protected through righteousness. So, 
What is righteousness? Well, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. See where Paul talks about the breastplate in another context. He says this. He says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So we know in Ephesians here, Paul is equating righteousness to faith and love, to faith and love. And we know that because of what he says in other letters in Philippians 3, 9. I'll read that real quick. It says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So, wearing the breastplate of righteousness is placing our faith in the righteousness of Christ and in his love. Let me say that again. Wearing the breastplate of righteousness is placing our faith in the righteousness of Christ and in his love. It's so important. Now, there's... a uh, two types of righteousness we're going to want to process through. Number one is imputed righteousness, and the other one is imparted righteousness. Uh, What we have to know before we go through those is that both of those are not only centered around Christ, but everything flows from Christ. Everything is about Christ. Christ is the whole thing in both of them. In fact, there is no other righteousness besides Christ's righteousness. You know, a lot of times people will say, rely on Christ's righteousness and not our own. The reality is, we don't have a righteousness. It's only Christ's. I mean, we learn in Psalm 14 and Romans 3 that no one is righteous. And Isaiah tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so the only one who has righteousness is Christ. And that's how we protect our hearts. Having everything come back to Christ. Everything be completely about Him. Now, let's define, uh, define imputed righteousness. It's the position that has been given, not earned, through Christ to every believer. That's really important. We're now justified in front of the Father through Christ's righteousness that he's extended to us. So it's our justification through faith in what Christ has done. And by the way, no one is more justified than anybody else. In terms of imputed righteousness, nobody can ever be more justified than anyone else because it's his righteousness that's being imputed into us. And we are called righteous by the Father solely because of Jesus. We are accepted on the basis of Jesus or we are not accepted at all. Bottom line, end of story. He imputes his righteousness into us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is imputation. That is him putting his righteousness into us. So positionally, we are made righteous because of what Christ has done. That's imputed righteousness. Uh, Romans 3, 23 through 28 says this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness 
because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. See, and that's really important. How do we protect our hearts? Because that's what the breastplate is, right? It's the protection of our hearts. It's guarding our hearts. So how do we protect our hearts? How do we guard our hearts? Well, it's by leading into this reality that boasting is absolutely excluded. Our position comes solely through Christ. So when the enemy says, you know what, good job, you're really doing something. I bet God is really, you know, elevating your status because you're doing a great job. We say, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not true at all. Christ's righteousness has been imputed into me, and that's how we protect our hearts. Or on the flip side, if the enemy says, you know what, you, you messed up again, and it's too much, it's too far. We say, look, it's not about my mess-ups. Christ's righteousness has been imputed into me, and I can protect my heart by focusing on his righteousness when those attacks from the enemy come. That's guarding our heart. That's using the breastplate of righteousness in our favor to say, it's not about my righteousness at all. It's not about my mess-ups. It's about Christ's righteousness. And that way, things like pride don't come up. But also on the other end of the spectrum, things like guilt, things like shame, all those things don't start stirring in in us because we have put all that righteousness onto Christ. It's very important. So there's imputed righteousness, but there's also imparted righteousness. And before we define it, we must also say that this is also from Christ and has everything to do with Christ. So when we talk about effort... We must also address the fact that even though there's effort involved on our behalf in terms of imparted righteousness, there still is no earning involved. Everything has been a gift from him. Everything has been a gift. It's been his grace by faith, and that's so important. Now, let's define it. Imparted righteousness is to live into the position of which we have already been given. So another way to say it is that imputed righteousness is being in Christ, while imparted righteousness is taking steps into becoming like Christ now that we are in Christ. So think about it like this. My kids, they're my kids, and that's the way it is. Right? That, that position has been given to them, but now they can really do one of two things. Uh, they can say, eh, well, you know, that's that, right? Or they could lean into that more. They could say, okay, can I learn from you more, Dad? Can I step into maturity? Can I, can I grow more? Can I take steps into this reality that I'm having? That's imparted righteousness. That's taking steps to become like Jesus. Another example would be um, take light, for instance, sunlight. So sunlight, calm down, sunlight comes and whether you, once you've given your life to Christ, you have that imputed righteousness. The sunshine comes. 
But you may also still hide in your room, in a windowless room, and experience darkness during that time. It's, uh, it's to us to step into that light more fully, to embrace that light and step into it. That's the difference. So imputed is justification through Christ's works that we do nothing to earn. Imparted righteousness we also don't earn, but we, we live into the reality that he has given to us. So we'll want to protect our hearts, not just on the basis of imputed righteousness, but also on the basis of imparted righteousness. Things like growing in our faith, things like learning what love is and stepping into it more fully, things like being imitators of God, these things protect us from being run by the flesh and being tempted and giving into that temptation more and more as we seek to become like Christ. So righteousness in that scenario is to say, you know what, no, I, I've got a new home here. I've got a new home. It's a great place. Jesus' Jesus's righteousness is sufficient, and I want to step into this life more fully. So when the enemy tempts us with attacks on our, on our flesh, we say, no, I, I live by agape love now. That's where I'm run from now, not from the fleshly desires. So we step into that, and that is wearing the breastplate as well. Protecting our heart in that regard is to become more and more like Christ. So again, we have imputed righteousness and we have imparted righteousness. But essentially, the defense in both scenarios Awesome. There we go. So essentially, in both regards of righteousness, the defense is the same. It's all Christ. He's the one. His righteousness is what I put my stock into. I don't put any stock into myself. I really only put it into Christ. And that's kind of putting on the breastplate of righteousness, is to step into that reality that everything is Christ. And I was thinking, perhaps our, our first step in spiritual battle is basically just this, surrender. Surrender. I mean, we certainly don't surrender to the enemy. We surrender everything to Christ. So we talk about the belt of truth. We say, I don't have a truth. I submit myself under the truth of who Christ is, of God's word. That is the truth. That is surrender. That's how we fight, and that's how we have victory. And the same with the breastplate of righteousness. It's to say, you know what, I don't have righteousness. I just don't have it. I don't have any righteousness. I can't earn anything. I just project all that onto the one who actually is righteous. And I put all my stock in that regard. Our first step in spiritual battle is surrender. And so the question is, as we get back into worship, the question is, essentially, where is our heart? 
Is it being protected by Christ's righteousness, by faith in him, by his love, or has it been exposed to the enemy? Has it been opened up to the enemy for him to attack? And I think during this time of worship, it's a great time to just say, God, protect my heart with your righteousness. Help cover myself in Christ so that the enemy cannot touch my heart. And guys, I think it takes just the intentionality on our part to say, you know what, we, we do need to know the truth. We do. We need to embrace the truth. We need to embrace the reality more fully. But we also need his righteousness in our lives. We also need to just embrace the reality of who he is, what he's done, that we can't earn anything. And we put all of our thoughts of righteousness onto the one who is righteous. With that, let's pray and let's get into worship. Father. We thank you for the reality that, uh, that you are, that you are righteous. And I pray that you'll help us to, one, just, you know, acknowledge that reality, but then, two, also step into that reality more fully. Father, I know that the enemy likes to attack. He likes to go straight for the heart. And I pray that you will just uh, guard our hearts in the reality of who you are. Help us to be saturated in that reality more and more fully. And we're so thankful for that reality. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's worship. <laughs> 